that's the thing in Australia, everything's tested and checked properly. So I like to turn around and say, well, we test everything and everything's good here on our side. We're happy to show you. You're welcome to go to the labs. These are NATA certified, TGA, GMP licensed, and all the other letters, good manufacturing practice. They follow all the processes. And in some cases, medicines get tested at the same lab. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, coaches, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to the needs of you, the practicing natural therapist. We have interviews during the holiday season and business and mindset support each week so you'll get the variety you need to enjoy and stay motivated in your practice. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the weekly episodes. And if you want to connect with me, always check the show notes because that's where you'll find the links to book appointments and of course to join the Academy the membership group where there's constant connection and community with like-minded practitioners. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. How the devil are you? Well, here we are at part four with Dr. Brad McEwen, and we are going to look today at herbal medicine for emotional wellness. Now, remember, this is part four. So there are three parts prior to this if you've dropped in now. So go back and listen to the other part three, one, two, and three, I mean. And what we're talking about today are not necessarily the big names in herbal medicine because they often need prescription, right? We've got some major interactions going on. So what we're going to talk about today are some of the ones that people might find over the counter more often. They might find them mixed in mixes that they're using and things that are our go-to as part of a herbal mix that we might make. So we've got a number that we're going to talk about. We've talked a lot about supplements in the last few podcasts. So some supplements might just slip in here, but we're really going to be talking about the herbs. And as we know, they're often with nutritionals. You'll often find like passion flower with magnesium, for example. So sometimes you're going to find these herbs in with a nutritional anyway. But what we really want is these herbs because they're a medicine. There's no getting around it. That's why I love them so much. Coming as a nurse from intensive care, from intensive medicine, that's what drew me to naturopathy was herbal medicine. And that means they have interactions. That means they have side effects. That means that we do have to be careful about what we take and how we prescribe and what other people have or are already taking. So it's really important, especially if you're a casual listener here and you're not a herbalist, that you do seek advice, that you do go and get a proper prescription for, I mean, it might be that you only need one appointment if you're doing all the other lifestyle things. If you're doing all the other stuff, you might only need one or two appointments. So your cash outlay might be quite low ultimately to get that right prescription and to understand what you do or don't need. And you might find it is actually a fulfilling relationship meeting a natural practitioner and you end up seeing them more. You end up working with them to gain that greater those greater health benefits. So for the practitioners, let's get in here and let's start talking about herbal medicine for emotional wellness. Thank you, Brad, for joining us again. Thank you. I'm very much loving these um these topics of particular like mental health. And we're going through yeah, number one, two, three, four, five, and we're on number four, which is quite exciting on herbal medicines. And thank you for bringing up early about the potential for interactions because it's very important for people to take note. And I like the emphasis on medicine. 
Now, so far, we've talked about nutritional medicine, some lifestyle medicines. Meditation is a lifestyle medicine in that category. We're going to be talking about herbal medicines. So they're all medicinal in some fashion. It's the dose, the frequency, all these aspects that come in. And if you're guided by a health professional, they'll work out the specific doses for yourself. If you go into a health food store or a pharmacy and pick one off the shelf, the evidence for that product has been based already for you as a self-selection. That's how I think to think about. So they're the self-selection ones. And you will find some single and combination. And I like the idea of what you're saying with the magnesium and other nutrients in there as well. And that comes back to our holistic view of what we're looking at with this whole series of podcasts on mental health and what we can do to help support mental health and improve the quality of life. Because that's one of my things on my list for everyone is to have improved quality of life for everyone on the world. Not a big statement at all. Not extreme. But that's one of my dreams is for everyone to be happy and healthy. If we can do one at a time, we'll do one at a time. Yeah. So with herbs, of course, you know, they're very, some people like to use the word powerful. They can be misunderstood by some people who don't understand herbs, but they can have powerful effects in the body, depending on what you gauge that on. And I think the ones we're going to be talking about today, are some of the common players, like you were saying, some of the outsiders, and there are herbs like kava, St. John's wort. And a number of them that I haven't put on here to talk into detail with because those ones are more likely to have interactions with some medications, for example. And not that they don't play well with others, but they can. It's just you need the proper guidance to go with those more effectively. So that's that's the advice I give if you're going to use those particular herbs. That's when you would seek more determined advice. And for the health professionals listening and watching today, that's you. So talking about one of my favorite herbs, I learned about ashwagandha back in 1997. So back in the old days when we saw them black and white and films didn't have sound. I learned that off Kerry Bone and Manly. He did a very big, I'm going to reminisce for a moment here of a happy period where he talked about all different Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs. And he drew my passion and also had Hans Wilmoth as one of my herb teachers, they're very passionate herbalists. And they got me really interested in herbs, particularly with the Chinese Ayurvedic herbs and the essence of how these work and then combine that with the Western herbs, Western herbal medicine, how they work well together. So they started talking about ashwagandha and I'm like, cool name, here we go, something new, it's different. And we just talked about, you know, learning about adaptogenics and adaptogen herbs and how these help your body adapt to stress. And we've talked briefly about that throughout the series so far, how we can help the body adapt to stress. And ashwagandha, along with some of the ginsengs, et cetera, are very useful adaptogens, adapting our body to stress and working in that. It works with regulating cortisol because we don't want to have any cortisol inhibition which is what some medicines do. We want to regulate our cortisol levels, serotonin levels, etc. It works with pain, reducing anxiety, reducing stress levels. So all the keywords we're looking at. But the other aspects are the positives where it works with proving cognition, memory, learning, concentration. Matching that up with the next herb, we're going to talk about Brahmi for cognitive balance. Because if you think about it, and I say this to a lot of people, if you've read the newspaper today, You've read more in that newspaper than what some people 100 and so years ago read in their whole life. So there's a lot of information going into our brains, causing a lot of mental stress on the brain because it's learning so much so quickly. So if you think about that, there's a lot of information processing, a lot of just overall information going through that the body needs to, or the brain in this case, needs to decipher and work with. And there's our mental load, our mental stress. And ashwagandha, along with a number of other herbs, seem to be able to reduce that load. So it allows you to slow down, comprehend, and work more effectively. That's also glutamine, glycine, some of the other amino acids work with GABA, for example, allowing you to slow down thinking so you can get it more easily. 
we always say kids have more time in the world. They seem to, they don't have the same time as us. Time is constant, a second is a second, for example. But they have different levels of GABA and serotonin because they're learning. Because when you're younger, you're meant to learn more. And as we're older, we're supposed to learn from our mistakes, which sometimes doesn't happen. But anyway, the brain has the capacity to learn and remember. So it doesn't need to have the same levels of the neurotransmitters and hormones. It seems to stave that off. But there are times where we need to regulate choline, for example. Choline is one of those best messages or acetylcholine for getting the messages across the synapse and allowing us to do things like just moving my hand now is using those same receptors. Thinking and talking is using those receptors and allowing me to sort of think and comprehend in what we're going to talk about next. Like the brain is amazing how it sort of processes everything. I'm able to think, talk, breathe, move my hands, do everything all at once without telling it to do it all at once. It just does it automatic. Now you throw in some stressors and some other factors, and then we go for those different stages we talked about in the last podcast with stress. So if we look at adaptogens such as ashwagandha or withania somnifera, that herb is really useful for allowing that processing to take place. And if you look at the name itself, somnifera was traditionally used to help with sleep. Somni and mm. sleep. Yeah. So I find that very interesting with some herbs, ginkgo biloba, there's two lobes in the leaf, which relates to the brain. So there's a lot of doctrinal signatures with a lot of these herbs that we use that I ask to start thinking about where else can we use it. And ashwagandha is one of those that have those additional anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, circulatory effects. So I tend to use it a lot in clinical practice. And when I formulate products for um, companies, I tend to use it a lot as well because I find very useful herb. I'm trying to find a better way to explain it. Besides that, it's a very useful herb for everyday use. You can actually use it every day if you want, or you know you've got a big nine o'clock meeting and it's going to be stressful. So you'll take some ashwagandha and some brahmi and some ginkgo at 7am or something like that. So it's getting into the system before you go into your meeting. So you can actually do it like that, some people, or which is what we've been doing with these sessions, is talking about looking at how we can support the person long-term with mental health, not just for the now, but for, for the forever, I suppose, is a nice way to look at it. It's allowing us to process that. And ashwagandha is one of those beautiful herbs that is useful for that. It doesn't taste beautiful sometimes because it is a root. I tend to mix it with some magnesium and some other ingredients as well to take the sort of edge off the flavor. As a liquid and powder, it's a bit not so tasty. But if you mix it in with some juices, I suppose, mix it into a smoothie, pineapple juice, apple juice, tends to take the edge off because of the sweetness of the juice, if you want to do that. Blackcurrant. Blackcurrant is the winner. What I've noticed about Withania over the years is the price has skyrocketed in the last 20 years. It wasn't that much. Sorry, I call it Withania. So I'm a Withania girl, not an Ashwanga girl. But yeah, the price is absolutely skyrocketed. It used to be so cheap to buy 500 mils of Withania to it's literally doubled, more than doubled in 20 years of practice. So I think part of that is it's being used more. Yeah. And I can be a Withania girl sometimes too. So uh, it depends on who I'm talking to. But there's a lot more research on it as well. And some of the strains, which I can't talk about because then it'll relate to product. Yeah. But there are some, I'll call them trademarked brains out there where there's a lot of research. And of course, if you use that particular branding, you're going to pay more because they've done the research on it. But you also know the quality you're getting as well. Yeah. So there are some formulas out there that use one ashwagandha or withania. Some use different brands together. And that's the purpose of saying, well, I can, I'm using the best of everything. Then yep. the product is more expensive because you get what you pay for. If you're using a non-branded withania, it's going to be a little bit cheaper. But 
Herbs themselves have increased over the years due to availability. It's a natural ingredient, so there's going to be natural variation. The weather, if there's floods and droughts, it affects the supply. If more people use it, ashwagandha withane is not endangered, but because we're able to cultivate it more effectively. But there are some plants, for example, we use the root. Therefore, if you dig up the root, it's gone. Yeah. Versus um, ginkgo, for example, which is the leaf. You can take the leaves off the tree and make a medicine out of it, and the tree keeps growing, making more leaves. If you take the root out of the ground and use the root, Korean ginseng is the same. It's very expensive because you've just taken the whole plant out of the ground, and that's it. Yeah, plant can no longer grow. You've used the plant. So that's the costing. And again, if you use the trademark strains, it's the same with Afron and a lot of other products. You will pay more for it because they've done the research. But at the same time, research costs money. And it's good that we've got research showing that 300 milligrams of ashwagandha root input, that is, equivalent to around about 1250, I think, or higher, around about 3000 at that dose. You're getting the good quality because they've done the research on it. And that's the exciting thing. There is a lot of research going on. As mentioned, I did omega-3 research that was on fish oil, for example. So there's a lot of nutritional and herbal research out there, but it also needs funding. And that's how they sometimes get their money back, where they'll put an extra $5 a kilo, pretend just making up a number. And that covers further research. And for me, yes, that's extra cost and extra money. But if I'm going to get research out of it, benefits for people, I'm very happy because one element people talk about is there's not enough research of natural medicines. Mm-hmm. And on the other coin, we say there's not enough money to do that research. And that's where the money comes from. It comes from yeah. people buying it because therefore you, you buy it and that yeah. money goes into it. And ashwagandha is one of those herbs. And so I've used it a lot of the time with people since I learned about it at that seminar. Yeah, Another herb that... we talked about was Brahmi. Let's move on to Brahmi. So... Brahmi. I love Brahmi or Bacopa. And yeah. again, Brahmi, Bacopa, you can get the branded version as well. And again, that costs more. Can't say its name because it's related yeah. to products. But at the same time, there's you can get a standardized form, which I can talk about. Standardized to Bacocides A and B. On the big one that day, where they called it Bacocides from Bacopa. So... I want you to think that's a standardized extract, so therefore it costs more because they're standardized it to the active constituents. So all herbs have constituents, and I should have said this in the beginning. And it's those constituents in total that make a big difference with our health. But over time, over decades of research, we found, for example, the wifilanolides are the main actives that do depression, anxiety, nervous tension, etc. The bacocides are more focused on focus and learning and memory cognition, for example. So sometimes an extract, I'll call it, is being concentrated to be standardized to have those active ingredients in there to do what we want. The ginkgo labides from ginkgo, as I said, some of these are named very, they're on top dollar that day when they named some of these active constituents, the ginkgo sides and everything. But Brahmi is very useful because I find, again, memory, concentration, learning, and combining it with ashwagandha, with Adia, and sage, which we won't talk about today, but sage is another herb. They're very good with that acetylcholine process. So acetylcholine is required for memory, concentration, but fortifying those memories into the folders in our brain. I want you to imagine we've got folders and we're filing away in the filing cabinet, firing away all these memories. Acetylcholine helps with that process. So people with a lack of acetylcholine have memory blocks and blanks and forgetfulness. And as we mentioned earlier in one of the other podcasts, Alzheimer's and dementia, et cetera, have a lower level of acetylcholine, or they have a higher level of what we call acetylcholine esterase which A is meaning an enzyme, is an enzyme which breaks down choline to make it not work properly. So if you've got herbs such as Brahmi, Sage, so Salvia officinalis, there's particular types of high levels of different ingredients in there that will do that. And the withania we just talked about, 
This allows the body to utilize the acetylcholine more effectively for memory cognition, putting the fortify into memories, fine cabinet. Mm. And that's very exciting. So whenever I look at herbs, I'm not just looking at the herb, I'm looking at the herb, what the herb does, what it's made in, et cetera, et cetera. And some of these, still being holistic, have active constituents. So I'm not providing someone with the whiffalanolides or the bacicides or the ginkalabides, for example. I'm providing a herb which is standardized. So I know I'm going to get the same amount every time. That's the benefit. I'll bring that up now before I forget again later. And that's the exciting thing with herbs. We can standardize so you know what you're going to get. And in Australia, they're tested for identification, for purity, for heavy metals, etc. So in Australia, if you're buying a product with Brahmi in it, you know it's Brahmi. You know it's not a herb that looks similar. Uh, that's the thing. There's a in some countries there's adulteration where they'll mix three different echinaceas together, for example, and when it's tested, it looks like echinacea. But in Australia, we've got the technology to know there's three different ones, not one. All of the herbal tincture companies here all spectrometer all of the herbs before they make tinctures. There isn't one that doesn't do that. They all have their own spectrometers. And then if they, one of the companies I went to look around and people go back to the very early ones, they'll see all my herbal conversations, a herbal extract company. I was there and there was a pile of whatever herbal it was, I can't remember, and it was strapped up with bright yellow tape. And I said, oh, what's that one? And they said, it's the wrong herb. They sent it to us. It looks like it. It smells like it. You put it in the spectrometer. It's wrong. So we put it in our spectrometer, but we're not going to trust that because this is a lot of work. It's a lot of effort by this farmer. So we then sent it to Queensland University to double check and it's the wrong thing. And that's the best thing in Australia. We can test and check things. Everything comes with a certificate of analysis, which says, hi, I'm Brahmi or something like that. And gives you all the details. Yep. We can then go, thanks for that. But So yep. we'll send it to Queensland. We'll send it to Southern Cross University. They got the big herbarium there, I don't yep. like to call it, but they can test for pretty much any herb on the planet that's medicinal. And we can get it back and find out that it is valerian, but it's not valeriana officinalis, it's a different one. Well, yeah. Echinacea pallida was often changed for purpurea, yeah. not going to change. And they don't do the same. The herb is a herb, it does what a herb does. And each herb doesn't do the same thing. Yeah, that's and that's why, why we have to be careful. Looking for that ostel is so important when we use our herbs. I mean, we've talked about interactions and being careful and making sure that we're not everything we take, but we've got to make sure that ostel is on there and that we are seeing practitioners who trained preferably in Australia or New Zealand. They do have, the training is very similar in standard. The products aren't necessarily similar in standard. We are looking for that ostel in Australia because there was that piece of research in bunny quotes seven years ago, some five years ago, where they said that products aren't what they say they are on the can and natural health, it's all rubbish. But that individual who wrote that piece couldn't find anything in Australia that wasn't what it says it is on the can. They had to go to America to find those products to say, look, they're not what they say they are on the can. And that's why Ostel is so important. I remember that research because I'm a little bit stirred. And that's the thing. In Australia, everything's tested and checked properly. And overseas countries don't have the same rigor. They're looking at Australia, actually, a lot of countries now saying, well, how come you yeah, you do so well? And some of the side effects or adverse reactions you see in the news is actually based on overseas products. Particularly in the newspapers, they'll say XYZ. And I know we've gone slightly off topic, but we are still talking about quality. But then you read it and it's actually an American product or a you know, Canadian or European or something. It's like, that product is not even here. Why are you even talking about it? It's not even news for Australia. Yeah. But that's because sometimes there are people that don't like natural medicine for some unknown yeah. reason. So I like to turn around and say, well, we test everything and everything's good here on our side. 
we're happy to show you. You're welcome to go to the labs. These are NATA certified TGA GMP licensed and all the other letters, good manufacturing practice. They follow all the processes and in some cases, medicines get tested at the same lab. So if you're saying the herb is not properly tested, you're also saying the medicine's not properly tested. So you can't have each different one when at the same place. So let's continue on with Brahma. Yeah, back on track. Sorry, now we've done that. <laughs> uh, just... So there's the rays where we're going, the cognitive performance and circulation. Another herb which is very useful is chamomile. Mm. A very nice, calming, relaxing. It's got that digestive pain relieving. It's multi-purpose. You need quite a high dose of it, and it does taste a little bit. How's it going in some cases? So in powders and liquids, it can taste a little bit different. So again, I'll mix it up with black currant or other juices. So which is you know still good because they're still having the herbs. Or people can take it in a little shot and then take some water after. Whatever they, whatever way people take it, I'm happy they take it. Yeah. But chamomile is very good for that. It has that sort of anti-anxiety, antidepressant. I know these are just keywords, but that's why it works. It should have that nice, calming, relaxing nervine effect to it. It helps, you know, cover the nerves. And there are different types of chamomile, so always check the Latin binomial or its botanical name. And we're looking at Machicaria recitita is one of them. Probably said that wrong. That's, you know, one of the chamomiles that we do use. There are different ones, and that's one of the main ones that we use. So... Make sure you're looking at the botanical name, the Latin binomial, when you're getting herbs for yourself. If it's not written on the packet, like we're just saying, you may not be getting the same herb. Ginsengs are a little bit different. People always think ginseng gives you energy. That's like, well, yes, it does. And I'm going to talk a little bit about sort of paddocks, yeah, paddocks, ginseng, Korean ginseng, Siberian ginseng, American ginseng. There's several of them. There's one called Indian ginseng, which we've already talked about, which is withania. So it works in a similar way. So they work by adapting. So if you take a ginseng and sit on your lounge, you're not going to get much energy out of it because you're not doing anything. Mm. So if you get up and you do things, it adapts you to what your body needs. Adapting to the lounge chair is not something that's easy for it to do and you're wasting your money. So these adapt your body to stress. They help get you up and go, but they won't give you the jitters, as a lot of people think, because you're using it properly. And the way I see the ginsengs, generally speaking, is Panax ginseng or Korean ginseng has a more, I don't see immediate effect, but it works a bit quicker than the others. Ginseng root. And then Siberian ginseng and Indian ginseng, a more longer-term benefit. However, you can use all of them together. Though there are some products that will match different ginsengs together, or you can match them yourself and take them all together for that quick or quicker result and a more sustained effect. And that's the benefit of the ginsengs. They won't interact negatively with each other or cancel each other out. They'll help you. And a lot of these herbs, you know, they work very well in the same process of circulation, memory, cognition, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. They'll have similar effects, but then they'll branch out into more of their energetic pathways and stamina and endurance, for example. So I might take a ginseng randomly. I don't take it every day because I don't need to, but I'll take it randomly if I know there's a big day coming or there's a conference. So yeah. If I know I'm, I'm at a big conference, I'm presenting, I'll take some, you know, I'll make a combination of withania. Brahmi, the ginsengs, maybe some shizandra, or I'll mix a couple of different herbs together, which I know will give me the peak I need to perform because I'm performing on stage, and then give me the sort of energetics to keep. Whereas I'm the reverse. I have to have the magnesiums to calm me down because I get so excited about getting onto the stage. Oh, so when I'm on the stage, I'm walking up and down it and I'm prancing around. So I'm a bit of a magnesium kind of a girl before I go up. I have my magnesium and my bees before I get on the stage. So because I have to Dividing be. all those together would be an awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah. I would be, man, I'd be on. Ah. 
bunch of ginsengs as well. And there are some products out there already. They may not combine all the ginsengs, for example, or they might use passion flower, which we'll talk more about shortly. They'll put some passion flower and some magnesium and glycine in there, some biotin for energetic pathways, not just for hair growth or nails and skin, et cetera. So yeah. sometimes some ingredients are in there for various different reasons and you may not know why, yeah. but the formulator has thought about, yeah, this is a nervous system product, this is an energy product, what kind of different combinations. So that's the exciting thing. Anytime you get a chance to speak with a company, just talk with them and find out where they're coming from sometimes with their products because it's not always clear because of marketing. You may not always have the full gist of where they're going with it. There's a lot of really good products coming out to last let's just say five years and we won't talk by names that are very, very well formulated about the person in place and they're just brilliant formulas. The last few years, the formulas that have come out have been amazing. I mean, that's part of being someone who creates herbal tinctures for their clients is that you are making a bespoke medicine for your client. So they could be, generally my clients won't just be on herbal medicine, they will have a nutritional as well. So I always give out diet change as my top prescription lifestyle change is my next top prescription. And when I say top prescription, it might just be one thing. It's not, I want you doing some foots. Yeah, I don't want you doing yoga on the beach. It's let's get you walking, breathing. And then there might be that herbal tincture mix specific for them. And then there's that, maybe that magnesium or that nutritional as well. So they'd probably go away with two things, maybe three, but they're very bespoke. And that's why we see a practitioner, you guys out there listening. So that's why our clients come to us, because it's all very bespoke. So carry on with the list. Where are we up to now? We're heading towards the final thrust of this, lemon balm. Love lemon balm. Lemon balm. Oh, Similar to chamomile in a way, we're working on digestion as well. So lemon balm is very useful for bloating and indigestion and I'll say colic as an example. It's very good for that digestive butterflies and the stomach kind of effect. Yeah. A very nice calming, nervine, relaxing that has that multiple approach. And I like to use a good dose of lemon balm mm. with patients morning, noon, night, depending on what it is. And that's the best thing. They can actually take it with a meal and it helps their digestion. Mm. And that's yeah, nice and gentle. It doesn't knock you out. None of the herbs I use will do that. comes down to dose as well. But I don't like that approach. It doesn't work. So lemon balm, it works with the GABA receptors. So gamma aminobutyric acid, so GABA mm. receptors. So I want you to imagine GABA is like a break allows the brain to slow down and think more appropriately while still thinking clearly. And that's where I was saying earlier, children have more, they have a high level of GABA when they're younger because they're learning a lot more and allows them time to think. So they seem to have all the time in the world and that's because they're learning process. So lemon balm is very nice. And I tend to mix lemon balm with passion flower, which we're about to talk about, glycine, magnesium, choline. Like there's a lovely list of things we could do, a very nice calming, relaxing blend mm. while at the same time, not knocking someone out. So you can literally take that blend at 3 p.m. Yeah. And you won't go to sleep because it's not what it's doing. It's harming and relaxing you into sleep. And if you don't need to sleep, it won't do that. We'll just calm and relax you and allow you to keep going throughout your day. And you can always do half a dose as well if you're sensitive. Because sensitivity is another thing with herbs. Some people can be very sensitive to the effects of herbs. Yeah, which is why we've got drop dosing all the way through to heroic dosing. And they will work depending on your person. So yeah, a very low dose can work just as well sometimes depending what the person needs, what stage they're at, it's afternoon, evening, when they've eaten, what's going on in the day. It might just be a tiny bit will actually get them over that hump. And I've had first grade rugby league players 
that you would give a big dose to and I've given low dose and it's worked. And then I've had dancers like ballerinas and you've had to give them a high dose because of their activity. Like you can't judge sometimes by just looking at someone and saying, oh, they're bigger or smaller, so therefore I change my dose. It's like, no, it comes down to sensitivity and the dosage range for that person. One of the it's tips, change it for everyone. Yeah, one of the tips I was given very early on was if you're giving a herbal tincture and it's not doing what you think it should do, is to add a digestive to it, but only a tiny, tiny bit of digestive because that's what they need. They need the support to digest your mix. And so it could be as simple as lemon balm. It could be gentian, ginger, dandelion. Any of the digestives at really low dose in the mix. So a 200 ml bottle, you'd only put five, maybe tops 10 mils of that digestive in there for the whole, so you'd get 210. And that is what will click it in and make it work. So they manage. And such a low dose, people aren't going to, they're going to say, that's not going to work. And it's like, well, yeah, it does. It does. Because the dose better. is independent of the person. Sorry, carry on. Back to the herbs. So passion flower. So passion flower is one of my favorite herbs when I first learned about it. It's always in the top of my list for people, whether it's a nervine required or not. It's just a very nice, calming, relaxing herb. Been used for centuries and thousands of years for insomnia, anxiety, stress, depression. It has that analgesic, antispasmodic, the pain-relieving antispasm effect. It's very nice, calming, relaxing. And I like it on its own, but also in combination with others, like I was saying, you the balm back managing that upper ingredients and it's good for calm and relaxing but I've also given 10 drops to people before mm. bed and it's worked or I've given 10 mils you know what I mean like it yeah. works independently on that person yeah it's a very nice herb and combining it with the others it's very good for reducing that anxiety that nervousness that twitching that sort of up 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 kind of vibe it slows people down but it doesn't knock them out here's really nice. radiola we've got a couple of herbs left I want to cover so radiola is one it's heading towards the endangered list because people have been using it more. So rhodiola has gone up a little bit and they do have some certifications out there to make sure that it's a sustainable one that we're using. So I will note that now it's a brilliant herb. We've got too excited with it and we're using it a lot. So just keep that in mind. And you may not be able to check if it's a certified one because people aren't using that certificate on their label. I bet you can always ask them. And some of them don't know. Some people don't know that it's certified yet because it's a new thing. It's literally like the last, not even the last year, right. there's a certification out there. So if you ask some companies, they may not know yet because it's only new, mm-hmm. but in the next few years, we'll see it. It's not endangered, but it's heading towards that list of, yeah. because it's been used a lot. And again, radiola, we use the root. So we yeah. use it you know, once it's out. You can use the whole plant, but it doesn't do the same as the root. So anything with the root, we have to think of sustainability. Yeah. So going back to the ginsengs. But this one's different where it's neuroprotective as well mm-hmm. as a nervine. And also cardioprotective. So that's why it's used for a lot of sort of heart stress people, blood pressure issues. And it'll give you that sort of up of that energetics, but it won't sort of wind you up. Yeah. It'll keep you sort of adaptogenic again, yeah. as usual. Saffron, a lot of research on saffron, particularly mm-hmm. here in Australia. There's a lot yeah. of research on saffron, which is very exciting. And there's different, again, trademark versions of it. I uh, can't mention because they'll directly relate to some brands. But saffron, I tend to do, and you don't use a lot, Remember, saffron spirits. But I tend to use 15 milligram input, which is about 45 milligram equivalent twice daily. That's where the research is, and that's the amount that you need. But if you think about it, that's the saffron is the stigma. So, the, you know, the little stigma that sticks out when you look at saffron, that beautiful red color. Someone, sounds funny, someone has to go into those fields and pull those stigma out without taking the plant because then we just regrow the stigma, mm. regrow. 
So they actually don't take them all, but they actually take some. And how many of those do you need to make a dose? There's a lot. So that's why it's expensive. Then you've got the saffron powders for cooking and for clothing, because saffron was used for red colours. So for regal colours, it was used. And just saffron pretty. Like the sunshine behind you. Yeah. They just use it. Yeah, it's like sunrise. So people used it. And it's very good with stress, anxiety, nervous tension. Very good with kids. Yeah. Very nice, calming, relaxing without knocking them out. So you can use the same dose or lower in kids. Um, And I'm talking children and teenagers. It's kids under 18. Under two years of age, always medical. Assistants don't just prescribe. Some herbs don't always go well because of dose as well. Saffron is a very nice, calming, relaxing, energetic herb and allows us to sort of still get through that clarity. A lot of anxiety symptoms are improved dramatically with saffron. Yeah. And it's a very low dose, like I was saying. And combining that with skullcap. Skullcap is a herb that doesn't get used as much. Eucalaria, lateral flora. Not bakelensis, because that's the allergy one. So you have to use the right skullcap. So always be careful when we say that. When we're looking at European skullcap, that one is very useful, again, for calming, relaxing, antispasmodic. doesn't get used a lot. It was a very old traditional herb, but you mixed with passionflower skullcap. It was a big 80s, 90s blend. And then a lot of these newer Ayurvedic herbs came in and sort of pushed it to the side a little bit. But I want to remind people that it is a very useful herb and it does combine well. So all the herbs we've talked about today, sort of winding this as a, as a group, are all very useful for what we need today. Mm. The stress, anxiety, nervous tension, calming, relaxing, focus, memory, concentration. A lot of them will do all these together while not knocking you down and out. So adapting you to today's situation. And to sort of finalize, always think of the dose, always think of the combinations. If you're not too sure, speak to a health professional. If symptoms persist, or mm. the health professional, follow directions for use. And sort of always double check because all these herbs I can mix together right now for someone. The whole list that we just talked about but they may not be needed. Yeah. And then combining that with the Carver's and John's Ward that we talked about earlier, always talk to a health professional with those ones mm. because they are very, very good herbs, but they're more likely to have some interactions due to the way how they work. 100%. So, and the only thing I will add to that is saffron stains. So when you give that herbal tincture to a client, make sure you say this stains because I've got yellow splashes all over the place where I mix my herbs and people do not want that on their beautiful bench tops. So all their loads, yeah, because it stains. So I think we've done a really good job there of those herbs that some of them just get left to one side, don't they? The skullcap definitely gets forgotten about and put to one side. The passion flower gets thought about a lot, but knowing we can use it in such a low dose is really helpful because there's a cost-effective thing for our clients as well, is that if we can give it to them in a very low dose and it's still working. So I have a client who's currently on valerian, passion flower, oh, there's two other herbs in there, hops and a bitter. I can't remember which bitter it is, and a bitter, but they're having 20 drops at bedtime. So it's not even a mill. I mean, that 20 drops is probably not even cutting it as a mill at bedtime and it's working. That's right. So we're looking at something that's extremely cost-effective for that client to maintain their sleep because he can get off to sleep. He doesn't maintain it well. Whereas that combo of 20 drops at bedtime, we've got sustained sleep. So that's why we see a professional who can mix these things for us. And you guys are the professionals, so... Right, right. Thank you so much for part four. 
And we've got our final part next week. I'm looking forward to catching up with you again so that we can look at a lifestyle medicine and really round off this, the five parts for mental health, especially now we're in a new year. We've got a lot happening. People have got a lot of ideas of what they're going to do, where they're going with it and all the rest of it, which can, of course, add that additional stress. So if we can introduce some changes to our client group in the form of lifestyle medicine, herbal medicine, nutritional medicine, then we're doing really well. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you or hearing you hearing us on the next podcast. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning, and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.